Welcome back to the On God's Time podcast. I am super pumped to have my friend Kobe Boyd on the podcast. Kobe is the student directors, uh, yeah. student direct, students director at Central and Paragold. Is that how you say that? Yep, student director at Paragold Central Baptist Paragold campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is also a, a pastor. He preaches. Um, how often do you preach? Uh, I preach every Wednesday night to our students and then occasionally every, every full moon kind of thing. Um, and, uh-huh. so. Yeah. And what's the age group of the kids that you preach at, uh, preach to? Uh, we, I minister to our seventh to 12th graders. So, mm-hmm. and then occasionally, very rarely do we bring in sixth graders, but we have those come in mm-hmm. every once in a while. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, again, if you guys don't know, Colby is a good friend of mine and, Whenever I was in Jonesboro, uh, he was the guy who kind of discipled me. Like we would get breakfast once a week and he would just check on me and check on my, my spiritual walk, my mental health, um, how I was doing physically. You know, I was looking into transferring and going to Williams where I'm at now, which I have my first day of class today. Uh, so it's, it's kind of cool. Like Kobe was one of the people kind of helping me decide like, you know, where I was going to go and stuff like that. And uh, he was just a big help to me and a big blessing in my life. So I'm happy to have Kobe on the podcast and I got to ask you, Kobe, to, to, to open up the question we ask everyone. When did you decide to stop living on your time and start living on God's time? What is your testimony? What's God done in your life, man? Yeah, so I think I'm going to combine this kind of with my testimony, but also with my kind of let that flow into my calling mm-hmm. um, into ministry. But I came to know the Lord um, in 2015 at an event called Fields of Faith. I know you guys have it in Wanted Ridge there, and then we also yes. have it in Paragold, where we're at here as well. Um, and for years, I had kind of, I had participated in it, I had taught in it, but it was really in 2015 that the Lord started working in my heart. Um, I grew up in and out of church. We were a lot of the, attend on Christmas, I'd attend on Easter, attend on mm-hmm. big Sundays. Um, and so I, I knew definitely the stories, but I didn't necessarily know um, the, the the gospel in my heart. Uh, I knew that the Lord, um, who the Lord was, I knew the gospel, but not as an eternal savior type mm-hmm. um, of gospel saving. And so it was that year in 2015, that fields of faith that I was sitting out in the audience. I wasn't even teaching at that point. Um, but I remember what had always stopped me in the past with when it came to the invitation was if I get up, people are going to see me. People are going to mm-hmm. kind of, and I, I tell our students all the time when I share my story, people are going to do this number. If I get up, they're going to be like, you know, they're, they're going to whisper, <laughs> yeah. you know, all the whispers and stuff. And I remember thinking that, and I remember sitting there in my, my lawn chair um, that year. And the Lord just kind of laid on my heart, like the line, like Kobe enough's enough. Like I need you now. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I got up and I kind of, in a sense, made a deal with the Lord. I was like, Lord, if I get up, I'm going to speed walk. And if I speed walk, if, if people are going to see me, they're going to catch a blur, you know? And so I did, I, I did exactly <laughs> that. I got up, I sped walked over to where the invitation was taking place. Um, I met with a guy, he met, he got me connected to my pastor and that following Sunday, that next Sunday, um, October 18th, 2015, I, I gave my life to the Lord. I met with my pastor for about two hours mm-hmm. at the end of that, repented of my sins, believed in the Lord. Um, and that following Sunday, the 25th, I was baptized in front of my church through immersion. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was the start of it. That was the time in my life where I can look back and say that was when I stopped living for myself. I, I didn't mm-hmm. I wouldn't have ever labeled it as that um, growing up. But that was the turn of what would be an adventure, um, to say the least. Definitely. I think. And then in 20 
18, um, I was in Orlando, Florida for a, what they call a summer project. Um, and kind of how that flowed into my calling for the Lord is up to that point, there had been a lot of people, a lot, kind of what you had mentioned a while ago, Caleb, a lot of people in your life that, you know, we talked that just say something and you take note of it. You know, you, mm-hmm. you say you, anybody can bring up this thing, but if that one specific person says something, you're like, maybe I should take notice of this. Yeah. You know? And, and so we, we can all have, we all have those people in our lives. And I remember different people throughout my time heading into Orlando, um, they all brought up this line of, have you surrendered to the call of the ministry? And at that time I was a teacher. I was wanting to be a teacher and a coach like mm-hmm. my dad and coach with him. And, and so I, I kind of shrugged that off. I was like, no, huh, that's not me, you know. And um, yeah. finally, the guy that would eventually be my best man at our wedding, um, he finally, you know, one night he just joked with me. He said, dude, why have you not surrendered to the call of ministry? And, <laughs> and so I remember thinking that, like, that was the guy that I was like, okay, maybe there is something to mm-hmm. this. Um, and and I, he gave me a book called Is God Calling Me by uh, Jeff Eorg. And so I read that. And then in chapter four or chapter five there, it was talking about God speaks to his people in three different ways, through his word, through prayer, um, or his people. And, and I remember mm-hmm. thinking like, okay, Lord, like that is what, that third one is what you're doing. Um, that mm-hmm. is where, again, I was, I was definitely living a life outside of this. I was definitely living a life that was more honoring to the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. It was not where I was now, and, it, and that where I'm at now is not where I will be moving forward. But um, that, like I said, I, the Lord was continuing to move in that. And, and so I read that book, and I kind of made a deal, again, with the Lord a little bit, kind of off of <laughs> Daniel chapter 1 through 3 there, um, where they are they take Daniel and his three friends take um, a couple of days, I think 10 days total, to eat these things. Um, and, and show that they are different. They are going to be different than what um, the Lord or the, excuse me, uh, the king wanted. Mm-hmm. And so they're sitting there and they're eating. And at the end of the 10 days, they are healthier. They are more, um, they look better than the people that were partaking in this food that the king wanted um, because it was not honoring to the Lord. And so I said, Lord, and, and so kind of my deal with the Lord came like this. It was like, okay, Lord, we're 10 days out from going to Orlando. I was mm-hmm. like, I said, I told him, I said, if you bring up three people in my life um, between now and in these 10 days that I don't and I don't provoke them, I don't inspire them to say anything about me and going into ministry. If you bring up three people, I'll surrender to the call of ministry. Like I was like, that's that's as plain as, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So by the end of the 10 days, we had two people. And I was and I so I was thinking my mind was like, you know, Lord, that's okay. Like your will's not my will. (laughs) Your time is not my time. I was like, whatever. I was like, it was a good shot. And so we get 10 more days into Orlando Mm -hmm. and 20 days since I kind of made that deal, I guess. Um, 20 days. And we're talking. I'm talking to my team there and we're getting to know each other a little bit more. And we were it was weird. We were sitting around the dinner table talking about jobs. Like we told each other our majors at that point, but then we were like, what do I look like I would be doing if I did it? If you knew that I wasn't going to be a teacher and a coach, what do I look like I'd be doing? And the buddy of mine, this buddy of mine told me, he said, you'd look like you'd be a pastor. And I was like, ah, yeah, I was like, ah, that's, it's crazy. You know, and Mm. that's, that's ridiculous. No, you know? And so I, I was, I, that whole day I was pondering that I was thinking, I was like, Lord, was that number three? Like, uh, mm-hmm. are we doing this thing or not? You know? And yeah. So I got to, I got to talk to him that night. I said, dude, I said, out of all things you could have said, why'd you say pastor? He said, oh, man, I could just see it in your life. I, I could see 
kind of the way you've been living, living for the Lord and the leader that you are. And, and so mm. then I walked away. And in that book, um, again, it had talked about how will I know when God calls me? Like it, when I surrender mm-hmm. to the call, what will be different And there? And uh, Dr. Eorg talked about in there, like you will feel a sense of calmness, a sense of peace that nothing else, like you can't really describe it. Mm-hmm. And so I had that in the back of my mind. And so after that conversation, I said, Lord, I was like, I believe that was number three. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this, uh, we were at Disney Springs in Orlando, and all of a sudden, this peace flooded my life. And, and I just kind of started smiling. I started laughing of, okay, we're we're doing this thing. Lord, Yeah, I'm going into ministry. I don't know what that's going to look mm-hmm. like. I don't know what shape or form that's going to take, but I want to do ministry. And, and so that was the start of that. 2018, um, came back, got plugged in to my local church. Um, started mm. preaching a little bit here and there through our college ministry at the time. And after that, that really solidified my call. But I, again, I traced that all back at different points to 2015. Um, again, mm. when the Lord first saved me, I was doing good things up to that point a little bit, but it was not truly until 2015 that it was like, okay, start living for me, you know, and literally going back to those words, Colby, enough's enough. You know, like, mm-hmm. I need you now. I want you to start living for me now. So that was definitely the time that I stopped living um, for myself, li- started living on God's time, started living for God's will um, and seeking what that would be for my life. So, Wow, that's awesome, dude. You can tell you're a pastor just because you were like, you were like, you were spitting fire, man. You were just going and going and going. And I, I love it, man. And I think that um, it's very obvious that that is a call on your life because you do such an amazing job. I remember, I didn't even plan on talking about this, but uh, I remember whenever I was going through that rough period of time, um, when I was, it was probably 2021. I remember you were an intern at Central mm-hmm. and you preached. I can't remember what it was on, honestly, but I remember um, I had it down in my notes that like, it just, it made a big impact on me. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, you forget your own. Yeah, no, but, uh, but I love it, man. And it's, it's really cool to see, uh, like what God's doing in your life. And, um, you know, I was going to ask you what made you want to go into ministry, but I know you said you're going to kind of combine those questions. Yeah. And so I kind of want to ask you now, like, uh, talk about like what it means and, and what your job is as a student's director at Central and Paragold. Yeah. So my student, what my job consists of is, again, I oversee our 7th to 12th graders. Mm-hmm. Um, we have about five five or six schools in Northeast Arkansas that we minister to, that students come from. And so one of my jobs, one, is to get into the schools, get to know those students, um, mm-hmm. and get really kind of invest in them, pour into them. Um, of course, I've already mentioned this, Wednesday nights we meet at, here at um, Imperigold, preach to them, um, really love on them you know, give them stuff to really attach onto and do throughout the week and stuff. We've got Mm -hmm. a super, super busy semester ahead, but I'm super excited with that because there's some some new stuff coming in for us as well. Um, And then Sunday mornings, we have life groups and stuff for our our students again here at Paragool at the fairgrounds right now where we currently meet. But um, beyond that, like we're scheduling our mission trips for this upcoming summer. We're doing super summer, kind of what we talked about while ago again. And so we're yeah. super excited for that. That is a very straight to the point, vague answer, um, of what mm-hmm. falls under me, falls under me. Um, uh, like I said, we, we transition those sixth graders coming in and then we transition, 
um, the, the 12th graders going out into making sure that they stay connected to the local body and the local church um, for their college tenure or if they don't go to college for their young adult tenure as well. Right. So. Well, dude, I um, and I've said this a lot. One of the, my biggest regrets um, as like a high school aged student and even like a junior high age student, like one of my biggest regrets is that I was not in any kind of like kind of like youth group or anything mm-hmm. like I didn't realize how important it was um, until I got to college. I didn't realize how important it is to be discipled. Like I did, I did not even like as a man, like you, like it's important for you to be discipled. It's important for everyone to be, you know, poured into like pastors um, should like have somebody that, you know, meets with them and just checks on them because like they're humans too. A lot of people think that, you know, some pastors are are super Christians and that's definitely not, uh, that's definitely not true. And for me, I think one of my biggest, like I said, one of my biggest regrets is like when I was. Um, like my sophomore year in high school, when I was in, um, I went to to some some youth group somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but I went for probably like two or three months, um, and then we just stopped going. And it was just, I don't know, man. I wish somebody would have grabbed me and said, "Hey, I need you here on Wednesday nights." Yeah. And that for me, I feel like my high school experience. You know, I. I've talked about it on this podcast before. I slipped up a little in high school. I, I wasn't perfect in it by any means. I'm not saying I wouldn't have slipped up, but I, I feel like I would have had somebody to guide me and direct me a little more if I had that. So uh, I think it's really cool that you're that for those, like for those kids. And I think yeah. it's really important too. Like, um, you know, you talk about going into the schools and doing stuff in the schools. Like, I think it's really important for the church to get involved with schools and yeah. I think that's one thing that in this world today, um, you know, some people are trying to kind of take away like, oh, you can't pray in school. You can't do this and do that. And that's why in Arkansas, when it's student led, uh, nobody can stop it. And I think that's yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, we uh, I, I was a lot. My story before Christ is a lot like yours, you know, like you just mentioned mm-hmm. of. Like my first three years after salvation, I, I call myself a self-starter. Like I was self-discipled. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, one, yes. on one hand, I didn't know how important it was to find somebody. And on the other hand, nobody reached out. And so the yes, first three exactly. years, I was, I was discipled myself. And then it wasn't until my freshman or sophomore year of college that I, again, the, the guy that was my best man, he brought me into his house and we started, you know, studying the word together, talking about mm-hmm. it. And it was like, this is different. This is what I've been missing, you know, and then finally from there again, that does, that should not ever stop no matter how old you get, whether you are a young adult, a grandfather or in the middle somewhere, you always need to be discipled. You always need to be poured into it. Again, I I love what you even brought to um, everybody's attention while ago. It's like, even, even the pastors, even the shepherds, so Mm -hmm. to say, they need people. Uh, It is a Mm -hmm. hard, hard life at times. It's a a, a (laughs) very empty life at times, but they need poured into just as much as the baby believer just came mm-hmm. to know the Lord yesterday kind of thing. Everybody needs to be poured into it and everybody needs to continue to grow. So I, I love, I love you bringing that up. Well, I, it's something I didn't realize until I got older, man, because I got, I think that whenever I was younger, like, you know, even if I didn't have people at a church pouring into me, you know, I had my parents and my grandparents, like, because, you know, my family is full of believers and, it's like when you get to college, it's like you're on your own and you realize like, hey, maybe I took for granted, um, you know, what was what was so good in my life for so long. And 
you know, I, I just, like you said, I think that everybody needs um, a youth pastor. They need somebody in their life to be there for them. And I don't even remember, man. I, I really don't. Maybe Michael Robinson was like the only kind of guy that was there for me like that. Do you know Michael? I don't think I do. Mm-mm. Michael's Michael's my boy, man. Is is my guy. But um, enough, you know, getting off that. I want to, you know, we were, you were talking about like diving into the word and, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know the Bible and stuff. And, and I've said this. I, I didn't really know how to read my Bible until I started going to 747. Like mine. Now, I, I think that. I think FCA did a great job showing me how, but I think that in the two years or whatever that um, FCA, it was harder for FCA to be in my life, like when COVID was happening, I think that I lost my sense of, you know, knowing how to read the Bible with context and knowing how to read it in a way that I can apply it to my life. And um, whenever I went to 747, like Jonathan, man, like he, he showed me so like so well how to how to make it speak into my life and um I I want you to kind of talk about that like what's your best piece of advice on like how to read your bible more efficiently and like how to apply like the stories and the lessons like we see in the old and new testament and apply it to our life yeah so I'm gonna kind of answer this question the same I would if one of my students um Mm -hmm. asked so four keys to a four keys to a quiet time that we always teach are one time, place, plan, person. You have four things, time, place, plan, and person. So with time, schedule a good time in your day to sit down and read. Um, It can be morning, afternoon, or night, but you Mm -hmm. need to make sure real quick that it's unrushed and it's unhurried. So Mm -hmm. find a time in your life, um, pick a place, pick a quiet place, whether that's in a college dorm room, that's in your, you know, your work office or Sometimes um, when I'm on my lunch break, it's at the dining room table at home. And so just somewhere where it's quiet, um, pick a plan. I know a lot of people, a lot of students especially, but even a lot of adults that I know of, they use the line of, I don't know, I don't read the Bible because I don't know where to start. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I have a plan to read. Um, This year, our church is covering the F260 New Testament plan. Um, This is, you can get online, print it off. Um, They Mm -hmm. have an Old Testament and a New Testament. So find a plan. And then finally, find a person. Um, So that's our fourth one. Find a person. And and so one thing that we really push our students is to, as you read, journal. um, And then Mm -hmm. take a picture of your journal and send it to a friend. Um, I love that. I I prefer, you know, someone of the same gender, some same age, around the same stage of life for you um, for the sake of purity. And so I I think you can really that that allows the word accountability to kind of be brought into the picture. Mm -hmm. So that even with journaling, just to say something about that real quick, it doesn't make or break a quiet time. um, But I think it definitely helps a quiet time. And so Mm -hmm. I have my journal. This is kind of mine. It fits in my Bible. My reading plan fits in it as well. And um, I do the here method. Highlight explain, apply, yes. respond. Um, that's what I so use. That kind of, again, and, and so that's what we <laughs> teach our students. It breaks everything down, and it's really, really, it's you teach it, and it's like, oh, that's not that hard. You know, like people yes. think reading the Bible is hard, journaling is hard. Oh, I don't know. You can you can contour it and, and kind of fix it to where this is not that bad. This is pretty easy. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think, so time, place, plan, and person are the four keys to a quiet time, I think. But 
Um, even I even have some tips here on my own notes to kind of share with you guys. Is remember mm-hmm. the Bible um, as you're reading is one big story made up of smaller stories. Like there's 66 books total in the whole Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Um, and so it all depicts, I tell our students all the time that the Bible either is talking about Jesus, it is Jesus, or it's looking back at Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, number two, know that who the original audience is. Um, who is the author actually writing to and why? Um, a lot of times we can take the Bible at face value and say, oh, he's writing to me in this exact moment. No, more than likely the truth <laughs> is is that the author, whoever that might be, was was not, I can confidently tell you, he was not thinking about us when he's writing this. You about know? the 21st century. <laughs> yes, it, it's oh, yeah. he's speaking right to me. No. Um, and so that kind of flows into context. Know what comes before and what comes after the verses that you're reading. Um, what you know? Why is this specific chapter of the Bible in this exact place? What is going on? Um, after this, who is Paul writing to, for instance? What is he writing this? Why, what's yes. been happening um, with all his letters? What's been happening at this church that he has to be brought up? This has to be brought up. Um, and then remember the books of the Bible were originally written. Or I've already said that one, but know the genre of the Bible, right? No, you know, you have yes. your historical, you have your poetry, you have your gospels, epistles, etc. So it, it, it does change the kind of the format um, while, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you need to know the author at times. You definitely need to know what genre. Uh, I know that's very in depth, but at the same time, it, it helps. It's like, OK, this is, you know, Psalms are going to be read a little differently than Paul's letters to the church. Yes. And so just find those things um, when it comes to quiet time. Study Bibles are great resources. Um, I, I do my personal quiet time out of a study Bible and then I preach out of a regular one. So they're great resources. Mm-hmm. Um, find a good translation. Find a biblical translation. Um, NLT, ESV, CSB, NASB, or NIV are the five that I recommend. Um, mm-hmm. Find a good translation. There is a lot of out there that are catchy, um, if you will, and a lot that are hip, um, but there's not <laughs> a lot that are biblical. Um, yes. And so it's, like I said, it, find a good translation. Um, and then ultimately, and this is the one I really push really hard for our students, is read the Bible for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we we live in a world where people will repost other people's devotions and say, oh, I read their Bible. And, and yes. so, oh, one, <laughs> let me just respectfully say this. That is not reading the Bible for yourself. Or what mm-hmm. I also tell our students, and let me just preface it with this. I have a devotional that I read every mm-hmm. morning. I've started it. I started last week and it's going to go into the end of this year. But devotionals are not the word of God. They do not count yes. as a quiet time. That, and that's what I tell our students. They're great resources. They help. But when it comes down to it, the word of God, we see that in scripture in Hebrews 4, it is inspired. It is mm-hmm. Jesus Christ himself. It has the power to pierce both bone and marrow and expose mm-hmm. devo- devotionals are written by human beings with sin in their life. Yes. So they are not perfect. The word of God is perfect. And so I think read the Bible for yourself, not just, again, not just a devotion, but read the Bible itself, the word of God itself for yourself, for your purpose only. And then let that shape the rest of your life on how you continue to go about living for Christ. Dude. That was so perfect, and I agree with you on literally everything because 
I'm I'm so glad you said that because my mom gave me that advice one time. My mom, like, as you know, like, I love to read. Like, I literally, like, I have a giant stack of books, like, right here. Like, like if you walk in my room, you can automatically see that I love to read. And my mom probably gave me the best piece of advice. I think it was, I think it was, like, last year. I can't remember when it was, but I was always telling her about, like, what book I was reading, what book I was reading. And she told me one time, she said, Caleb, like, I think it's great because it's, it's all Christian books. Like, it's it's all, like, I just got in reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And it's really, really good. And I, I learned some really good points by it. But my mom, probably the best piece of advice she gave me is she said, don't replace how much you read books with how much you read your Bible. Mm. And mm. she told me, yes, bro. And and she was like, listen, like, in, in, um, in a book, they may quote 60 verses. They may do this and that. But it's like, you're not going to actually understand like what they're talking about until you read that verse for yourself in the word. And my goal right now is uh, I'm, you know, I'm reading the whole Bible right now. And I'm so behind because I, I started it last January and I've studied in depth every single thing I've read and I'm, I'm way behind. But uh, it's not the only thing I read. Like I'm not only reading that. Like sometimes I will like read in the New Testament and stuff like that. But I've Dude, at times, like, I don't want to say I've gotten depressed, but like, I've been reading the Old Testament and I forget to read it through New Testament eyes. Mm -hmm. And it gets kind of like, like, I see like all the killing and all the, like, like all the stuff going on. And I'm just like, dang, that's kind of depressing. You know what I mean? But like, I have to remind myself that it is all pointing towards Jesus, like you said, and it's all one big story. And whenever we realize that, uh, we can, you know, view the Old Testament through new eyes. But like I was saying, like, dude, my mom, she told me that. And that was a really, really good piece of advice for me. Um, and I think that that's helped me a lot, you know, to yeah. look at books as a resource, but not the resource. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I again, I tell our students a lot and I see that a lot in our society. And it's mm. let me say this, too. It, it's a common mistake. It's OK. It's again, I'd much rather you be reading a devotional than nothing at all for one, you know, exactly. so it's a start. But again, don't settle just there. This mm -hmm. re and, and, and honestly, even to that point, too, it's good to have a healthy balance. You know, hey, have my quiet time in the morning. I read God's word. But then also I'm going to read this Christian book, like you said, mm -hmm. and kind of let that balance each other. You know, like, again, books are healthy. Books are needed, but they should not be the one book that you read over and over and count it as, Hey, right. I had my quiet time. That's, that's not okay. You know? No. So. Yeah. I view. And, and that's like, I, 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 at one point, probably like two years ago, I would view at times I would kind of view as like, Oh, this is a Christian book. So it's like, it's like my quiet time. But like my mom, she's, she's steering me clear. And she's like, no, like that's, that's not true. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really glad she did that because now it's like, I don't think, I, dude, I don't remember the last time, and I could be lying when I say this, like, I, I don't think I am. I don't consciously remember the last time I read a book, but didn't read my Bible that day. And for me personally, like I have a rule with myself and I'm not surprised because I feel like I'm a pretty disciplined person. Like I've really, really held true to this and I'm surprised at how well I have. Um, I have a, a rule with myself. I cannot play video games or watch TV shows that day 
until I've read my Bible. Like that is my rule for myself. Like I remember one time, like I had a buddy text me. It was probably eight o'clock at night. Is one of my teammates. His name's Ben Keaton. And he was like, Hey, you want to play the game? And I was like, well, yeah, for sure. And I was getting on and I looked and I realized like, Oh my gosh. And I had to tell, I literally had to tell him, Hey, give me 30 minutes. Like I can't, I can't play until I, until I read. And luckily Ben's a good friend. So he was like, okay, I'll wait. Yeah. But some dudes would probably look at you and be like, man, he's one of those, he's one of those extra Christians, isn't he? Yeah. And I'm like, well, man, yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, if I don't have that discipline, if I don't have that foundation that I'm, you know, building everything on, then, you know, it's not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, um, this is my last question I'm going to ask you. What is, we could answer this two ways. What's the best piece of advice you have as a Christian to other Christians? Mm-hmm. And which whichever one of these is easier, I'm sure they go hand in hand. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten as a Christian? Okay. So I'm going to handle this two, two different ways. One, to all the other believers who may tune in. Um, mm-hmm. But then also I'm, a second part, part B is going to be to those believers who maybe feel called to ministry or are in mm-hmm. ministry. And so for the believers, I, I think I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. So this is this is her best piece of advice. This comes from her. This is not me. But um, she told me to kind of share it. Is, and I think it's so good. It's one, it's okay to be different. Um, mm. I, kind of what you were saying a while ago, it made me think of high school. Like I remember so avidly wanting to fit in in high school. And then right. after that time in 2015 of, you know, being, becoming a believer, there were so many things that I got left out of and not invited to or not text about that it hurt. It broke. Again, I, I tell our guys, it does. Uh, my students all the time that, you know, those were supposed to be my friends. Those, those, those guys, those other people, you know, both girls and guys, they were supposed to be my friends and I wasn't getting texts to go hang out with them. And mm-hmm. then come to find out Monday that they had hung out over the weekend. And that's because, you know, they were sometimes doing stuff that wasn't holy. And they knew that I mm-hmm. wasn't about that anymore. And that hurt. And I look back at that time. And, yes, it hurt. But it was so rewarding um, to be able mm-hmm. to sure. um, kind of stand out. And I tell, again, I tell our students all the time, like, when you go hunting, we live in a hunting community. Um, I, I grew yeah, up hunting do. a lot is – you wear, you have to wear camo most of the time, right? You have to wear, you have to blend into your surroundings, but it is so important one um, for your safety and for other safety that you wear your neon orange. Like that is a requirement. And so you take that from the standpoint of a believer. We live in a world that prioritizes and loves for everybody to wear camo. Hey, I want mm-hmm. you to be like me. I want you to blend in. And yet Jesus comes into our lives at salvation through his word, through other people, through prayer. And he says, hey, I want you to put on your neon orange. I want you to stand mm-hmm. out. I want you to be yes. able to walk in this world of camo, if you will. And I want you to be able to be seen. I want you to be able to people to look at you and know that, hey, he is a child of God. She is a child of God. And he speaks in mm-hmm. his word of that. They will know you by how you love others. And that's our driving force. And so I think, one, it's okay to be different. Two, um, this was instilled in me as an athlete, and it carries so greatly over to today in 2023 as a believer, is someone is always looking at you whether you like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. I, I always loved the leadership. Oh, I love that. Teams. Yeah, and, and my dad instilled that into me, whether it's a, a teammate, a, a younger kid coming up, 
or even as we get older, a college scout or, you know, a professional scout. Someone is always watching you, whether you like it or not. And in this world we live in, um, Christians are being watched so highly. How are you going to respond to that situation? What are you going to do in this case? What words mm. are going to come out of your mouth when someone makes you angry? They are watching. The world is watching. They're needing help. They're mm. needing a sign. Okay, is this person going to really back up what he tries to live for? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone is always watching. And number three, for those needing help as far as getting plugged in, mm. find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. And get yes. into it near you. And, and so, you know, there's been discussions before of what constitutes the local church. Well, one, you can take it at face value. Of, hey, it's it's in my near vicinity. You know, it's in Perigold for you. It's in it's in Wanted Ridge or Pocahontas. It's mm-hmm. literally near me. It's local to me. But find somewhere where they teach the Bible and they profess Christ to be the Lord and Savior that he is. And follow that. Get plugged into that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was... Again, along with discipleship, that was not stressed to me growing up, and it wasn't until I got into college that I saw the need for the local church in my life, and it was like, man, I need that. And so yes, that bro. is a driving force um, every single day. But then on part B, for those called to ministry um, that may, again, may tune in, one, and I, let me say this one because this one is more important of the two, behind your salvation um, behind Christ saving you for his glory because of his goodness and his mercy behind that initial salvation, being able to open the word of God and profess it and proclaim it and preach it is mm-hmm. the greatest honor and greatest calling. In someone's yes. life. Mm-hmm. And so with that, it literally I could rank them one salvation. What's the three top greatest callings? One salvation Two, being able to profess Christ and proclaim that and preach that. And number three, being able to be a husband to one of God's creations and his wife, you know. And and so that's how I rank them in my own life. But that is Mm. the second greatest honor ever. And with that, carry that in the highest esteem. It is the word of God. Again, it is profitable. It is able to pierce and, and expose. Proclaim that. Have confidence with that. Let it teach. Let it speak for itself. You see all these times mm. um, on social media, maybe we even know people that, that do this. I know that I know of people that do this. Of um, They'll open the word of God and barely hit on it. They'll barely mention it, and they, but they'll tell worldly stories. Let yes. the Bible preach itself. Let the word of God do what it has always done for literally centuries and will continue for centuries. Um, so one, it is the greatest, second greatest honor. Um, behind your initial salvation. But number two, and and actually I was told this when I started back in September here at Paragold. um, And I I was like, that was one of those, I heard it said and I was like, oh, that's good. You know, I got to pass that Mm -hmm, on. Yeah. Um, Is he, and my boss said this, he said, the worst night that you ever have in ministry or the worst morning you ever have in ministry is not on you. And the mm. best night or the best morning you have in ministry is not on is you. not on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he was getting at with that, kind of just breaking that down real quick, is there were some Wednesdays that we were, I was discouraged. Like there were some Wednesdays I was really feeling good. Like man, we are in a good place. There was a lot of students here. They were plugged in. And then there was a lot of Wednesdays at times where it's like, what are we doing wrong? You know, mm. wow, are we messing up this bad? Like we're missing the mark on something. And he came back and just told me, hey, the best is not on you and the worst is not on you. God has already ordained who will come in, even to this Wednesday as we start back. 
He's already ordained who will get plugged in, who will come on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, who will cross our paths every single day. And so, and when he told me that, I was like, man, that is a sense of relief to me that, Lord, whatever happens tonight is solely on your shoulders. It's not on me. I've prepped. I've gotten ready. I've, I've repented of my sins that I may have had in, internally. I'm ready. And so what you want to do, whether it's good or whether it's bad, I'm going to see it as it is your will. And I'm going to profess that and I'm going to be obedient to that. And like I said, that was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because I put a lot of that on myself. Uh, and it's hard not to. I get it. In ministry, it's hard not to put that on your shoulders of what am I doing wrong? But in this case, you come back into it, you fix it, and it says, Lord, this is on you, and it's it, it's not a bad, a good or a bad thing. It's not one of those at all. It's, Lord, this is on your shoulders. This is your ministry that stems from right. your church, and that is your bride, and that is your literally your baby. <laughs> so it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not going to fail. Mm-hmm. It will not be overcome by hell itself. You will carry mm-hmm. this thing through. And, and like I said, it kind of gave me a sense of really. I walked away from that conversation. I was like, <sighs> okay. We are okay. You know, like it, it is <laughs> yeah. not, literally it's not the end of the world. Christ is still on the throne. And so I think those are the five biggest things, three for the believer, two for the, the ones called the ministry that I could pass on to somebody that may, again, tune in. So, Wow. You are, man, you're spitting fire today. And you know why you're spitting fire? Because you're talking about the word of God. And yeah. I love that you said that. I love that you said that so many people you know, you go to churches and you do hear inspiring stories and you do hear these things, but you don't hear the word of God preached. And, and that's so true. And it's so evident, man. I, I One thing I've learned is like, you know, I, I was able to speak at Fields of Faith and I've preached a few sermons in my life. Uh, I've been blessed to be able to uh, preach a little bit and do some public speaking, which is a dream of mine. I love public speaking. I love speaking to specific, like, you know, audiences, like at Fields of Faith, there's like 500 kids there. And I got up there and I I prepped and I prepped and I prepped. And I, I remember when I got done, although so many people said, man, your message affected my life. It affected my life. Like they wanted me to talk about myself. Like they wanted me to talk about my story. And I just, I, I didn't want to. Because I was like, I'd rather talk about the Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my story is not as good as this story. And I don't know. Like, I had to really, uh, like, like the more and more I get closer in my relationship with Jesus, I just, I care less about, like, me. And I, I care more about him and about others. And I, I love that you said that, man. Because I, I don't remember, I think I read it in the Bible somewhere where... It was somewhere in the Old Testament. I can't remember. Maybe it's in like Deuteronomy where Moses is saying that it's not like it's his job just to teach what God's talking about. And I don't remember, I don't want to misquote the Bible because that I've, I've have read that somewhere. He's basically saying that like a priest or a preacher or somebody who's teaching the word of God is literally there to preach the word of God. Like they're not there. It's It's not there to give you some like special piece of advice or or whatever, some self-help concept that's really not going to help you in the end. It's about teaching the Word of God and showing how to apply it to your life. And it's it's just about showing it to you and, and how it can affect you. And, like, yeah. that's just been such a big thing for me, man. That's something I've learned. I'm like, man, like, I'm addicted to learning Scripture and I'm addicted to um, 
having scripture define every single thing that I do. Like, you know, in my book, I wanted my book to be based off scripture. It was based on first John four eighteen. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And like, that's like, I, I want everything I do in my life to be based on the Bible. And I, I love that you said that dude, because it's like, if we're not talking about the Bible, we ain't talking about the right stuff. I agree. I've been in churches before where you bring your Bible and I've opened it and gotten ready for the part where I, everyone turned to and it never came. And so I put my Bible under my chair and I did. I I walked out some of those services. I was like, why did I get dressed and come up? Yeah, that was that was a good, like you said, good little self-help. And so, again, I think even to your point while ago of telling your story and and stuff, I, I think if we do it right and we do it humbly, as mm-hmm. believers telling our stories, it's going to naturally reflect God's story. Mm-hmm. Like it, we each have a testimony to give that's unique. Like we talked about a while ago is each of us have something different that we bring to the table that we've went through that the Lord uses now and says, Hey, I've put you through this to go share this. Now you're ready yeah. to go share it. You've learned what I needed you to learn. You have this testimony amongst yourself go share that. And so again, mm-hmm. I think if we do it right, do it humbly and give the Lord the honor he deserves. I think in that it's naturally going to flow from this is my testimony to this is literally the testimony that Christ has mm-hmm. first said in his gospel. So and it's really mm-hmm. good, man. I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I grew, <laughs> I grew tons. Of yeah. So did I did it as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's always encouraging to have a fellow believer and just yeah. be able to just be able to talk about stuff. <laughs> And uh, I know that we just talked about how books like aren't the Bible, but I was going to say in this book recently with Billy Graham, I read, he was talking about how like as a believer, like, like he's always met people that like he met someone, you know, who Billy Graham is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Billy Graham, he's like talking about how he went to like another country and there was like somebody that he literally did not know at all, spoke a different language, but it's like they were believers and they had someone translating for him and they were having like a super deep conversation back and forth. And he was just talking about how as a believer, like you have that community and you're immediately, whenever you set, accept Jesus into your heart and you accept him as your savior, you're a part of a new family too. Yeah. And you're, you're a part of the church and you're a part of, um, you know, if I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and he's the only way for heaven and he's the only way to heaven and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins at the um, he's the only way to heaven, then we're brothers in Christ. And I think it's really cool that, you know, no matter where someone's from, no matter like what happens, like we, you know, we have that community and, uh, we have this right here, um, yeah. no matter what happens. So, yeah, no, I think yeah. I, the gospel time and time again, unites people, unites mm-hmm. believers over and over. Um, and so it's, that's definitely special. That's definitely a no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. we always want to be like each other, but definitely yeah. the gospel is, the one thing that unites us and I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that. So yeah, me too. Well, Kobe, I appreciate having you on, man. Uh, I'm praying that, you know, the things that we said, um, it can uh, encourage someone and inspire them and inspire them to go open their Bible and mm-hmm. to dive into God's word above anything else, man. So uh, I appreciate having you. God bless you, brother. And um, I'll see you later. Yes, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. I, like I said, I enjoyed it just as much. We'll see y'all. Yeah. All right. See ya.